My name's Alan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to thank our choir. Today is their last Sunday to bless us with their music for this school year. So maybe when they sing the benediction here at the end of the service, as you go out, please go up and thank them and show your appreciation for their great ministry of music throughout our year. Now, as Kyle was trying to say before he got to live mic, today is going to be a little bit different and I wanted to set the stage for that. Um, we have people in our church we call elders. They're part of our church board that help to uh, govern and guide our congregation. We don't call them elders because they're necessarily old people. That's not the impression I want you to have, but it's because they've, they're people that have gotten some spiritual wisdom along the way, and uh, we're going to ask some of them to share that wisdom with us today. Five of them are going to come up and talk about how they see Christ transforming our world. You know, that's been our theme the past few months is how Christ is transforming us and this corridor we live in. And I want to lead off with this text before our first elder comes up. Yes, I too have that spring allergy. <clears throat> so I'll try to get the frog out of my throat. Second Corinthians, Paul says, all of us With unveiled faces are seeing the glory of the Lord Jesus as though reflected in a mirror. And we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord Jesus, the Spirit. Isn't that a beautiful idea that we who have come to know Jesus... A veil's been taken away, and we're able to, to see Jesus, behold him, see his glory, and we're beginning to reflect that. We're being transformed to be more and more like our loving, merciful, righteous Jesus. That's how transformation begins with each of us and begins to spread to our families, our neighborhoods, and our communities So I'm going to welcome the elders to come up now, and one by one they'll introduce themselves and tell you how they understand this is happening. Reading from Jeremiah chapter 29, and I'm actually going to read uh, verses 4 through 7. Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. This is what the Lord Almighty The God of Israel says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters into marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Work for the well-being of the city where I have sent you and pray to the Lord for this. For if it is well for the city you live in, it will be well with you. This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. So, as Pastor Allen talked about, uh, my name is Gary, and I'm one of the elders here at Cedar Hills. For the past year or more, Cedar Hills Board has been trying to discern uh, what our congregation can do in order to find new and creative ways in order to carry out the Great Commission from Matthew 28 which is go make disciples, okay? We really want our congregation to be faithful to Jesus' direction to carry out our faith 
and to share the good news to the world. So the big question, I think for all of us, is what does that look like? Okay. So we believe that this passage from Jeremiah gives us some pretty good clues. So let's think about um, what's going on in the lives of the Israelites when Jeremiah speaks his message. First of all, many of the Israelites have been exiled into Babylon. The Israelites don't like the Babylonians at all. And they don't like being away from their homes in Israel, just like nobody would like being away from their homes. So what do they do? They cry out to God for help. And they ask him to destroy the Babylonians and to let them go back home. And I think what is probably worse is that there are false prophets from Israel that are telling the exiles that God will quickly send someone to rescue them. It's got to be like, oh, you won't have to stay there very long. It'll be okay. And then Jeremiah comes along, and he tells them the truth, which is a very different story than what they've been hearing. He doesn't say, oh, it's not going to be too long. And he doesn't say, fight those Babylonians, and you will miraculously win. What does God say through Jeremiah? He says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens. Get married. Have babies. You know from that, they're going to be there for quite a while. He also says to seek the peace and prosperity of the city where you live. In Babylon? Really? Pray for it. For if it prospers, then you also will prosper. Not the story that the Israelites necessarily wanted to hear. You know, even though God was punishing the Israelites for disobedience by sending them into exile, he also sent them into Babylon on a mission. And the mission was not to fight and conquer the Babylonians. The mission was to reach out to each other. It was to grow a community. It was to pray for their neighbors. It was a mission to share God's good news with their neighbors, to show the Babylonians that God loves them and that God is still in control and that they will be loyal to God no matter what the circumstances. And based on the love that they show to each other and the Babylonians around them, maybe, just maybe, those Babylonians will come to know and worship Israel's great and awesome God. So what is the big aha for us from Jeremiah's message about being disciples? Start where we are. Do we ever get frustrated when we find ourselves in a kind of exile? Are we ever frustrated with people that work or at home? I know I am. Frustrated with things at the church? Yeah, we get there. Frustrated with our city officials or with our national leaders? And so do we cry out to God to fix the situation, and then we get frustrated when God doesn't respond the way that we want? And so then we ask, well, how can I share the good news when the whole world around me is in nonstop chaos? Well, we do it one person at a time, loving those around us no matter what situation that we're in. So here on the west side of Cedar Rapids, God has called Cedar Hills to be on a mission of disciples being disciples in the everyday stuff of life. He's saying, build houses and settle down. Get married and have families. 
seek the peace and prosperity of the people that we meet and that we see every day. Let them know that God loves them and that we love them as well. And pray for their well-being. For if our neighborhoods prosper, then we also will prosper. I sincerely believe that we as a congregation are starting to grasp the action, the activity that is required to fulfill our mission and to fulfill our vision of transforming the corridor. You know, God is doing some great things here at Cedar Hills as we seek to be faithful to his call. So now some of my fellow elders are going to come up to share some bright spots in our church and in our communities that are just a foretaste of how God is spreading the good news to the whole world. So now Robin Jones is going to share some bright spots. Good morning. I was asked to come up here today to talk about transforming the corridor and changing the world that we live in and trying to have us all kind of figure out what does that mean for us here individually at Cedar Hills and how are we helping to make that these transformations within our own church. So I have been privileged to see firsthand what it looks like from the eyes of preschoolers. Um, for, the, for a good part of this year, I've been blessed with being an extra hand in the preschool Sunday school class. We're so fortunate to have so many young families in our church at Cedar Hills here. And um, I don't know if there was a baby boom or what, but we have about 21 kids on our roster. There's um, 12 to 15 each week in class. And so the, the team was a little bit too small. They called me in for a little crowd control or maybe um, comic relief sometimes when they put me in a beard or had me lay on the floor like I'm you know, falling out of a boat or something. But um, we try to play act and um, you know, keep the kids um, interested in, in what we're trying to teach them. Um, most weeks, uh, like I said, we have about 12 to 15 kids in the class. And between the wiggles and the giggles, I think they're really soaking it in. We pre- present them with um, different Bible stories and we repeat some of the things each week so that they can kind of uh, remember it better. Um, and you guys, they're getting it. Uh, they remember that God made us. They know that God is with us at all times, in the night, during the day, inside, outside, when we're sad, when we're lonely, when we're angry, when we're happy. They understand that God loves us when we're newborn, when we're little children, when we're teenagers, yes, even teenagers, um, sometimes we wonder if we can love them, but uh, God loves us no matter what, when we're parents and when we're, when we're old. Um, they know that Jesus died on the cross for us. Uh, the stories that they have retold to some of their parents about how, um, how Jesus died on the cross, we put screws in his hands, and, um, you know, those are the things that they remember. They they hear it in their own way, but they, they understand that um, Jesus died for us and he saved, saved us all from our sins. Um, each one of these kids has received a little storybook Bible, either this year or last year in the class, and most of them have gone home and read it and they've, they're carrying it around so excited about it. And uh, the great thing is that they have great parents and families that are really diving into the, the word of God with them, and they, they're 
backing up what we're telling them or we're backing up what their parents are telling them and what's in the Bible. Um, they're reading them at home and they're helping them to realize that God loves them no matter what. And if they're soaking it up now, can you imagine what it would look like when these 21 kids are a bit older, maybe in grade school or in middle school? It's just really exciting to see um, Cedar Hills transforming the corridor through these little ones. And then, um, although that the transforming the corridor theme has recently pre been presented to us, we've always made it our ministry and our mission to transform hearts to Jesus. And then you'll see that with Lois next, and then with Bruce and Diane. Thank you. Well, it's been my privilege. I'm Lois Deerberg, by the way, one of the elders. It's been my privilege to work with the eighth graders. And I know some of you maybe roll your eyes when you think about working with eighth graders, but this group has just been a blessing to me. So when you think about teaching them, I think they've probably taught me more than I've taught them. And Chrissy has been a, a great help to me. But it's been a blessing to see how these students in Faith Quest, which is a special class that's designed to get eighth graders to really think about what do they believe. We studied uh, Jesus, we studied God, we studied what is the Holy Spirit, and we've studied all those kind of basic things. And all along, I've just been so impressed with they know all the right answers, because they've always gone to Sunday school here. They have great parents who have supported them from home. And it's just been a joy to see all five of them. And I'll give you their first names. If you see them, you can give them a little pat on the back. And maybe you even saw some of them pray a couple of weeks ago. We wrote prayers based off of the Lord's Prayer. And I said, hey, why don't you guys do these in the service? And, and they did. They were happy to do that. I have Kara, Tate, Ethan, Max, and Ben. So if you know them, you might say something to them or pray for them. Sorry. Uh, the elders have been praying for the students in Faith Quest, and I know the ladies in my Bible study have been praying, and I've been praying a lot for them. And I think the thing that really got me the most, and I think it was kind of fun to see light bulbs coming on in their heads, is when we did the spiritual gifts survey. Because if you know all about the Bible, where's the part where you apply it and actually you know, get it in your heart enough that you can share it with other people? And so when we did the spiritual gifts survey, all five of those students had faith as one of their top ones one of their top spiritual gifts. And so we all kind of went, oh, what is that? <laughs> what is the gift of faith? So I looked it up so I would be able to explain it to you. And we talked about them in class. But faith is a gift. It's defined as extraordinary confidence in God's promises, power, and presence. It's confidence that God will advance his plan. And their faith is an encouragement to others. And their faith has definitely been an encouragement to me. And so I've just been trying to impress on them that spiritual gifts are not for you. They're for other people, right? You give them as a gift to other people. And for these five students in eighth grade to have the gift of faith and be so strong in their faith, 
I am just so thankful to God, and it's been such a joy to see that bright spot with them. Um, I do believe that there's some credit to be given. One of them is their parents, because that list of students, they have had parents who have gone here for a long time, and some not so long, but their parents are doing what they need to do to teach their children about faith. We have a church that teaches about how to, how to um, increase your faith and grow in your faith. We have cross-training, we have youth programs, and I'm going to throw in a little plug there of what you can do is pray for our new youth pastor as we hire and as Jeremy leaves because we want to continue that strong faith in those, the programs with our teenagers. They've also had very faithful attendance, and their families have had faithful attendance, and that is so important as well. And they've had you to pray for them. So if you need something to pray for, I'm sure you have lots of things, but just pray for these Faith Quest kids. I'm so excited for them. I just see the Lord doing great things in their lives in eighth graders, as eighth graders, and once they become more confident with that base of faith that they have, they're going to do some really cool things for God, and I'm excited for them. They will be joining the church on May 19th, so you'll get to meet them then. So pray for the Faith Quest kids. Good morning. My name is Bruce, and uh, those of you that may know me probably have seen that maybe I have a little bit of a passion around serving and volunteerism. And so that's what I'm here to talk to you about today, is how from a trans- transformation of the corridor can we do that through service and volunteering. Um, my bright spot really was this past April. If you'll recall, uh, over the, the course of April was the National Volunteer Month, and I, we reached out as elders to the team leaders and said, who are all the volunteers that you have? Um, we didn't get all of them, but we got most of them, and we are well over 430 different volunteer positions in this congregation alone, and those are just things that we do in and amongst ourselves. The bright spot for me is many times growing up, I always heard the statement that 20% of the people in a church do 80% of the work. Well, I'm here to tell you, folks, the bright spot was we had over 230 unique individuals fulfilling those 450 volunteer opportunities. Obviously, some did more than one, but most everybody was at least doing one. And that, that was awesome because when you look at the size of our congregation, that is well over 20% of the people sharing the service and the events and the volunteers that are possible. So when I think of how do we transform lives in the corridor, I think it starts with where you are. And this church is doing that and doing that very well. And I think you should give yourselves a round of applause for that. I think the next step, though, is to think about where we are as a community. As a community of God in this church, we're doing well. But what could we do outside the four walls of this church? How can we get out into the community and take that light that is shining brightly within this place and shine it upon Cedar Rapids? When I look at, the, at, at our, our, our Bible passage, work for the well-being of the city where I have sent you to and pray for the Lord to do this as well. I think that's what it's really saying to us is let's get outside. Let's take this awesome experience, this love of God, and get out into the community. 
Now, you may ask, how do you do that? Well, I've shared with you many times that the United Way is one way, but it's only one way. This morning, I looked up, I thought, what are the basic needs in Cedar Rapids? If you also know me, you know I'm a Googler. I just love to do that Uh, because there's so much information out there. And I found out basic needs of Lynn County, and those things are um, food, shelter, furniture, things of that nature. And there are probably a list of 20 different agencies that are available that are giving those types of basic needs to the folks in our community. And you know the one thing that each and every one of those places need is volunteers. So I would encourage you, uh, no, I would beg you, I would, I would plead to you that when you leave today, go out and look in the community and find a need and see how you can fill that need, whether it's through your financial support, whether that's through your time, your energy, or whether it's just through praying. Because for all of us, there are seasons of volunteering, from our youngsters who help around in the house to adults, maybe before you have children, who you can get out and you can work in the, in the, the, uh, uh, the, the community. Once you have children, you're probably kind of back in the season of taking care of your family. Then you become empty nesters and you're looking for things to do. Uh, and even for our, dare I say, elderly generation, there are ways that you can be involved through prayer, through giving, and those are the things that will help transform the community that we live in. And now Diane's going to come up and talk to you a little bit about hospitality. As Bruce said, I am Diane Potter. And when I think of transformation, I just think, wow. It is so evident that God has been working in our church over the last few months. In Jeremiah, God talks of how he wants to bless us, and we are certainly blessed as we are blessing others. I'm going to speak just on hospitality, where I have seen God work in the last few months. Hospitality is nothing more than opening up ourselves to being there for those in need, and that can be done in so many ways. I'm going to address just three areas where I have seen God working in our church and in my life personally. This week is a perfect example for our church in showing hospitality as we host Family Promise. We reach out to a family in need that doesn't have the opportunity to have a home or a hot meal. Many of you step up to serve a meal or spend an evening at the church as a night host. There is such joy in seeing people so willing to share their time and gifts with those in need. It is no doubt that the last few months have been very tough for our church. We have lost some very dear people, and our grief is still raw. I find it amazing, though, how timely our sermons on just love at this time helped us to truly live out just loving others. I could go on for a long time, but just a few ways people gave with such cheerful hearts. You never tired of bringing food to help with the memorial service. You picked up the snow shovel and put ice on the sidewalks when it was that wonderful Iowa weather. You helped those walking to their cars to make sure that they did not slip. You put your arm around and prayed for someone who had just lost a loved one. 
or was having difficulty in their life. You help put chairs up, and then you help take them down. You reached out to a church staff that was grieving and weary because of the loss of such dear people. You sat down with a family you did not know at open table and shared your life story. You gave someone a ride who did not have the opportunity to be able to provide transportation for themselves. I also need to share how God opened up a door for just our own family in the last few months. As many of you know, we have been, a ble- we have been blessed to adopt our two teenage grandchildren, and that could be a sermon in itself, but I do thank you for your prayers. One Thursday afternoon, Taylor, our 17-year-old, came home with a friend from school, which is nothing unusual, except Larry and I noticed that after a week, she was still there. In talking with Taylor, she found this gal crying outside of class one day and asked her what was wrong. The gal said, I have no place to go. She and her mom had gotten into an argument, and she was 18, so her mom told her to leave. She had been living with another friend for a few weeks, but it wasn't working out, so Taylor told her to come and spend the night at our house. And when I thought of that, I thought, what wonderful hospitality showing from a teenager. It meant sharing her space, giving rides to school and work, and meeting the needs of someone that we didn't even know. But it was so evident that this is where God wanted us to be in just showing love to someone in need. We grew to love our new guest, but also knew that the best scenario would be for her to reunite with her family. So guess what? We prayed. The week before Easter, she said she was going home, and she has made peace with those things she ran from a few weeks ago. This gal will always have a place in our hearts because God allowed us to open up our home and extend his love to her for just a few weeks. What opportunities is God opening up to you and sharing with others? Is there a neighbor that could just use a visit? Or maybe some chocolate chip cookies or cinnamon rolls? Is there a coworker who could just use some encouragement? Is there a family who is overwhelmed with all the stresses of life? Is there an elderly person in the nursing home who could just use a visit? As you can see, just showing love can be done in so many simple ways. Always remembering We are his hands and feet, and some may never know him except through us. Wow. I'm just so thankful for all of these ways that God has been transforming the world around us. And to remember how we began today with this text from 2 Corinthians, this all begins with Jesus, doesn't it? All of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord Jesus, seeing his beauty, his righteousness, his love, his grace. As we begin to be influenced by that, we're reflecting it like a mirror 
It's not, this is not because we're good people or special people. It's because Jesus is so good and special that we can see this reflection and this transformation happening, being changed into his image from one degree to the next. That happens with us, and it happens all around us. This comes from the Lord, the Spirit, Paul says. So we're so thankful, and thank you, elders, for coming up. And I know not all of you are experienced coming up and speaking to a big group. You did a great job today in sharing these stories. Did did you all appreciate this today, a little different change of pace? Yeah. I just want to close us this time in prayer and thank God for these wonderful stories of grace. Heavenly Father, we thank you, first of all, that you have taken that veil away from our eyes and helped us to see Jesus and to know what a great, gracious, beautiful, all-powerful Lord he is. Thank you for the way you've touched our lives and been transforming us by degree, by degree, by degree, until we become more and more like our Savior. And Lord, as we experience this changing in our own lives, we, we long for those around us to also experience this joy and this um, excitement of being made into a new creation. Lord, what a wonderful vision you've given us in the text of the prophet Jeremiah that not only our lives, but our whole city can be changed and transformed into the image of your love, God. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you again today, our church, our individual lives, our talents, our gifts, all these things you've given us. We give them back to you today, Lord, and ask that you continue your work of transformation in us and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.